Welcome to the Brew News Pod. All the news is fit to be brewed. I'm Travis Matherly. And I'm Andrew Jennings. And today, we have a very special Brew Day Brew News update. Brew, brew News Brew Day Brew, brew News Day? Yep, Brew News Day. Brew Day News. I don't know. We're brewing a beer today. We're brewing Travis. Brew Day Brew News. We are. We're brewing Travis's beer today. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first off, everyone's been on the seltzer train. I just had to get on the seltzer train a couple weeks ago. I uh. made, made a seltzer with my buddy Chip. You guys heard Chip before in a couple of other episodes. Um... Chip and I have been brewing together all quarantine. We've had some good successes, and then we've had some uh, seltzers. Uh, so, <laughs> Trav, um, look at, you're looking at my seltzer. It looks a little mm-hmm. different than any seltzer you've ever had. Yeah, it's not clear. It's not clear. <laughs> and that is because you used, um, let me think if I remember correctly, turbinado, raw sugar? Uh, coconut sugar. Coconut sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it turns out when you use a pound of coconut sugar, you get an interesting color on your you don't get a clear seltzer. No, you don't. You get a very, it looks like a, like a Pilsner, like a cloudy Pilsner. What flavor was this? <laughs> we'll get to that. So for those of you that want to do this at home, seltzers are really simple. It's just sugar, water, boil it for like 10 minutes, uh, and then add, you treat it like an extract. You're making an extract batch. Um, I used five total pounds of sugar. I had four pounds of white sugar. Most recipes say use dextrose. Yeast don't care. You can use you know the 199 for four pounds of sugar. You get a Harris Teeter. Um, and then uh, coconut sugar, I used one pound of coconut sugar because I thought it might give it a different flavor. When it was fresh, like just chilled before we added yeast to it, it tasted like um, uh, the milk, cereal milk. Uh, it yep. was so good. <laughs> I was like, hmm. I'll just do that. Um, there was an original gravity of 1.05 and it final finished at, well, at one, zero. So it's alcohol six and a half percent. Fairly high for a seltzer, isn't it? Yeah. Most seltzers tell you to only use four pounds of sugar. I use five. So. I mean, I kind of smell coconut. So. Do I smell pineapple? Lime. Lime. So there is. Uh, so you put the lime in the coconut? I did. So to, to finish this off, uh, I had a yeast stall out. Big issues there. Um, learned a lot about yeast. Ooh, that's process. tart. Yep. Yep. My gosh. It is six. That's a lot of coconut. Juice of six limes. Coconut sugar, a little bit of coconut extract, like a teaspoon of coconut extract, and then two tablespoons of vanilla extract mixed Ooh. in to give it more like a key lime. It's like a key lime. It's like a pina colada. Yeah. I, I'm getting more of the coconut over time, but um, yeah, so seltzer. Everyone else is doing it. I figured why not? I mean, that literally tastes like a pina colada. <laughs> I'm not doing it again, but... <laughs> you know how I feel about coconut. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're not a big fan. Nah. <laughs> Whew. That is sugary. It's pretty sweet. It really isn't. It's per, it's more perceived because all the sugars were eaten. There's no residual sweetness in they this. They got it. They got it. Nom, 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 noms. It's, it's a very interesting smell. Now, I mean, if you didn't know that it was a seltzer and you just held it up, you would think it was maybe like a pale ale. Or a lime lager. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking like Some a... Kind of like a just like, the... Other than there's no head. A Corona with just a shit ton of lime in it. Like, that's yeah. what this is. And a hint of coconut. Mm-hmm. Just a splash. A splash of coconutty goodness. The fact that it's that color just throws me. <laughs> as soon as I added the coconut sugar, I watched it go from clear to brown. I was like... Uh-oh. I've goofed. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Chip's face now. <laughs> he was inside. He had no idea what was going on. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> it was like, well... What happened to our seltzer? It's in there. Yep. <laughs> no, that's not it. Yeah, that's totally it. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, well, let's talk about some lighter news. Um, Travis, NC Brewers Cup dropped this uh, back in August. 
back in August. Whoop, whoop. So, like, a week ago. Yeah. Yep. And we had some breweries that we have covered take home some hardware. Heck, yeah. Out of those, uh, let's see, notable names that we've already featured from our North Carolina brewer family. Foothills, Little Brother, Brown Truck, The Unknown, Oscar Blues, Four Saints, Pig Pounder, and Trophy Brewing. Yep. Um, And Pig Pounder and Little Brother got... um, two out of three places in the smoke beer category. Um, yep. Now they did get them for specialty smoke beer. So they weren't using like a, a, a like a Grodziski or a, a Roush beer. Like we talked about in our smoked episode, but they're doing like smoke variants. Yeah. So just kind of a rundown um, the best in show. First place was actually a pale British beer and bitter by Carolina brewery out of Raleigh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Raleigh ish. I think mm-hmm. it's technically Pittsburgh, but yeah. Second place was an international lager by Thirsty Monk Brewery, which is out of Asheville. Yeah, I love Thirsty Monk. Awesome. I've never had anything from Thirsty Monk. Ah, I don't think so. And it was their Ponder Lager. And yes. it, the CBC one was their Copperline Amber Ale. Then you had a uh, wood-aged beer. This was from Foothills. It was their Dead and Buried Blackberry Imperial Stout, which I have had. That's you a very different beer. So you didn't like it that much. I didn't care for it as much. I mean, it's a lot of blueberry. Mm-hmm. It's a very different beer. Um, but it's probably been at least a year or two since I've had that. Um, and then lastly, we had the American Light Lager, the number 10 American Light Lager from our friends at Brown Trick Brewery over in High Point. Yeah, and this, I believe, is the same beer that they, when they first submitted to the GABF, that they won gold in. That is uh, one of the, like, they won a bunch of gold, they won gold in Saisons and then this beer. And they, uh, this is the one where Ian said, oh, yeah, when we won it, it was just going nuts because we beat out all the big boys. We beat out, you know, Miller Coors, Budweiser, because those guys traditionally rock that category. Yeah. So that's uh, it's a pretty good one. So two of our local triad breweries mm-hmm. were in the top four best of show. Heck yeah. Strong showing for the triad. Absolutely. Um, and then other breweries that, you know, we've been to that we haven't highlighted yet. Um, I know I've been to Thirsty Monk. Um, uh, who else did? Well, we do need to do Thirsty Monk at some point, though. Yeah, um, I've never heard of a lot of these. I've never heard of Lost Worlds Brewing because I know Lost Province, and that's not it. That's Lost Province is the pizza place. Yeah, which we have. I have a couple of Lost Province beers here. Oh, there you go. Oakland Springs. Never heard of them. Never have. Devil's Logic. Mm-hmm. No. Middle, Middle James. James. No. Legion. I do know Legion. They so. won for the. They got second for their Penguin Pills. That is an awesome name. Mad Mole Brewing. I've heard of. I've heard of. Uh, let's see here. Clouds. Uh, that's. Based in Raleigh, have had we've been to there. Laura and I have been there. Yeah. Uh, town I've heard of Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. I believe it's out west. But I could be wrong. It sounds like a mountain name. Yeah. Uh, notably, though, Foothills did place second in the session IPA category for Hop Job. Oh yeah, that's a good. And we and Little that. Brother placed third for Casual Sesh, Ooh. which is on tap right now. I think at their tap room. Oh, they got first for their uh, Civil Rest uh, Hefeweizen. Yes, their Hefeweizen did come in first. Four Saints Brewing, one of our other breweries that we've covered. Uh, Joel and his crew won second place in the European Wheat Beer right behind Little Brother for their Hedrix, which I believe is also a Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. Yeah, 10A is the Hefe category. Bombshell came in fourth with their Bach to work. Yep, and that's 10C, their Weissenbach. Uh, Let's see, Starboro Brewing, Pig Pounder, we talked about. They did for their Boar Brown, and then uh, one of their smoke beers, New Serum out of Wilmington. No, wait, New Serum's not. I'm thinking New Anthem. Uh, New Serum is, uh, gosh darn it. It's one of them, the place off like 40, 85 area. Like, uh, Keep talking, I'll pull it up. Yeah, it's not, oh shoot. It's where like Cheerwine's from, right? Cheerwine? Yeah, maybe not. 
ABC, Asheville Brewing Company did well. They got uh, something for their Ninja Porter, Pony Source out in Durham. New Serums in Salisbury. So that's the one. That's where Jew Wine's from. Yeah. Okay. Acousta, that I believe, is in Brevard. Um, Pony Source, which is out of Durham. Durham. Uh, Archetype, also Asheville. Uh, they got, oh, they did got gold for their Belgian Strong 25C. Man, Foothills came in third for Stout with Barrel Age Sexual Chocolate. Yep. Let's see. Archetype for Saints came in first in the American Amber and Brown Ale category with Potter's Clay, Potter's. which is, I think, one of their most popular beers. It's like their flag, one of their flagships, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of Full Steam out in Durham, got uh, first for American Pale Ale. Humidity is a good beer. It was, oh, okay. Oh, Birdsong uh, was in second behind Four Saints in oh. the Brown Ale with the Lazy Bird Brown Ale. Oh, fancy. Uh, Wilmington and Innovation did well. IPAs, for those of you that care, the best IPAs in North Carolina now. Uh, West Coast IPA would be Radar Brewing, Reflection IPA. Yeah. Uh, for a specialty IPA, their Black IPA, the French Broad River Brewery, uh, their Black IPA. Uh, See, I can get behind that. And New New Anthem uh, got third on that. I believe that's not quite a NEPA, but it's the Vapors. Yep. But they then came in first in the double IPA category with Clapback. Uh, 26 Acres Reptar Juice got third. Never even heard of it. Oh, them. it's such a good beer. <laughs> I've never even heard of 26 yeah. Acres. Yeah, they're they're down uh, down Charlotte Way, but they're not in Charlotte. Gotcha. Um, Thirsty Monk came in first in the Belgian and French for their Abbey Blonde. Should. Yeah, if you're, <laughs> if you're named Thirsty Monk, you ought to win the Belgian category. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Divine Barrel Brewing won historical beer for the big Lubilski. Yep, probably a Goza. So um, this is where we get an interesting part. So our sour ales and our historical beers only have first and second this could be two things it could be that only two entries were there so they ranked them or they were the only two that were good yeah and the way beer judging works you don't necessarily have to give a third place or even a second place if the beers are bad um so you you don't necessarily have to do that even if you had 30 entries if it's if it's 28 bad beers you just have to get a rank the two that are actually good yeah dissolver which is a brewery that we're going to have to feature out of Asheville because they've made a they've kind of stormed into our market mm-hmm. recently down here. They've come down the mountain. Uh, one for Brett mixed in wild air, wild L the era is now um, wild specialty beer. Then let's see. Thirsty Monk came in fourth for that one. You got Hall river coming in here. We, we need to do them at some point. Yes. Um, they actually did really well with their, one of their wood age beers, Hall river farmhouse torn paper lease, which I have. And I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I've never had that one. They also came in fourth in the fruit beer category with Java Berry Cream Stout. That sounds delicious. Uh, yeah, they do. They have like the stout um, stuff that they do sometimes that they have like different variations of that Java yeah. um, stuff. Let's see. Pig Pounder came in third for specialty fruit and fruit and spice beer with their habanero lime wheat pig. Yep. Uh, then we get this. Full steam southern basil spice beer. Oh, that's a good beer. Um, Bassless Fang, also for especially wood age from 26 Acres. Yeah. Uh, smoked beer, you had uh, Vicino with their Temporal Justice. That's a classic-style classic smoked beer, so that's going to be a Grzynski type. And then Pig Pounder and Little Brother came in at second and fourth, re- respectively, for specialty smoke. So those are most likely going to be some sort of smoke porter or something. Yeah, so the Paloma Pig, I think I've had that before, but Little Brother Brewing, I actually just had the Big Slow last week mm-hmm. on tap. It is a collaboration with Cal Restaurant. Oh, okay. Um, so it is a smoked bacon porter. 
Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Okay. It was actually very good and very light because it was still like 90 some degrees when I drank it outside oh, okay. and it was actually pretty good still. Uh, notably incendiary brewing, which is out of high point or Winston. Winston. Winston came in second in the Spice Herb and Birdsong with the Jalapeno Pale Ale, which I'm a fan of that That's Jalapeno just a Pale good, Ale. That and the yeah. Southern Basil, those are both really good. Um, I will say this is cool. They did have a new category. They have a special category for this competition, the NC Homegrown 35A. Um, so the the beers from that category have to be from local source ingredients. Little Brother got third with the quest for the Mole Grail. Ah, <laughs> I like that. Uh, let's see here. And oh. Andrew, our friends at Crank Arm that we haven't done yet oh, in Raleigh. Have. Yep, came wheat. in third for White Wall Wheat with a specialty beer. Uh, Crank Arm, we haven't profiled them before. They're in Raleigh right across from The Pit, which is a fantastic barbecue restaurant. Yes, I'm thinking of Gizmo. <laughs> yeah. Gizmo's as long as Laura place. makes the reservation for the correct night. Yeah, details. <laughs> details. Um, but yeah, that's a bicycle-themed brewery. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yep. All right. And um, that pretty much wraps up the Carolina Cup. Okay, Trav, so... A lot of good beers in North Carolina. We have one in front of us. And we're also brewing a beer for your birthday. Yes. Happy belated birthday. Happy month and a half belated birthday. Uh, just over a month. Just over a month. Just yeah. A month. So for my birthday this year, Andrew and Laura graciously gifted me a uh, birthday brew day. Whoop, whoop. So my wife is home with the boys and I'm out here brewing. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> that also means he has to help me clean. Yes. Sucker. Sucker. So for my birthday this year, we actually chose to go with... Uh, Beer that we've had a couple of variants of already. Uh, Andrew and Laura featured the Wise Man version mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, we're doing the Black is Beautiful Stout. So I love big stouts. Black I've never is, brewed one. Yeah. So. And we have the Black is Beautiful base recipe out there from Weathered Souls. Um, more or less. More or less. I modified it slightly. Well, <laughs> we took the base recipe. So we thought, you know, why not just take this base recipe stout that's kind of out there right now mm-hmm. and modify it. So... I don't know any of the technicals except we had a big bag of grain this morning. 17 pounds. 17 pounds of grain. <laughs> I have never brewed with 17 pounds of grain. That's a lot of grain. That's a lot of grain. <laughs> we also have a lot of water out there. A lot of water. Yep. Uh, um, but it is actually, as we speak, it is hopefully um, still uh, sparging. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> Where it was flowing, it stopped, and now hopefully it started back up again. Good thing I checked. <laughs> yes. So we took that stout and Andrew modified the recipe for me. We're going to be doing some coffee beans in bourbon coffee and cocoa nibs soaked in bourbon with an oak spire yes also soaked in bourbon <laughs> also soaked in bourbon which we have to do your bourbon tasting to figure yeah out we do bourbon. so we're doing a bourbon barrel aged quote-unquote bourbon barrel aged coffee and chocolate version of the weather sold stout so andrew could you explain what you changed from the base recipe sure um i added all i left the so the base malt and this is a pale row two pale two row pale it's 10 pounds of that uh, this is a five-gallon batch. Uh, I have, there's two pounds of flaked oats. I believe the original recipe only calls for a pound of chocolate malt. I added an extra half pound. Um, flaked barley, three-quarters of a pound. Crystal 120, three-quarters of a pound. Roasted barley, three-quarters of a pound. The original recipe is a half pound of chocolate rye. I did a full pound of chocolate rye. Mm. And then a quarter pound of black patent. Most of these grains are actually are not going to give you a ton of fermentable sugars. Um, the, the 10 pounds of pale two-row is going to give us most of our sugar. Everything else is going to give us more of that color and some flavor and some body. And, and it definitely is a color. Oh, it is a color. Yeah, oh, it's wow. dark. <laughs> it is. It is excellent. It is good looking. Um, for hot, for bittering, we've got a sixty-minute boil of one and a quarter ounce of Magnum, and then we have a twenty-minute and a ten-minute 
a drop of two ounces of Cascade at, yes. during both. That's a lot of hops for a stout. Yep. And then the basic yeast is just a, uh, American ale yeast. So you can use uh, White Labs American Ale. You can use uh, Y Yeast California Ale. Or you can use US 05. Yep. And that's what Andrew did. US 05. Whoop, whoop. That's because my, it's cheaper. That's my boy. <laughs> yeah. And he knows how to use it. So while the beer is brewing, we are drinking another version of the Black is Beautiful Stout, except this one isn't a stout. This is from our uh, one of our local breweries. Well, local. Regional. Regional. Down in Charlotte. Charlotte. Um, we've talked about them before. This is Noda Brewing down in Charlotte. We mentioned them in the heist episode recently. And they took the Black is Beautiful Stout and made it a Pilsner. So it's a 5.1% Pilsner. Yep. And it is a black Pilsner. Yes. It looks a lot like a black IPA. Mm-hmm. It smells really, really good. Mm. It's light. There's not a ton on the nose. It smells like just a very malty Pilsner. Yeah. Don't get a ton of coffee or chocolate. It's like a, a very light Schwartz beer. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I love it is like it, you get some of the hoppiness still mm-hmm. in it, but it's not, it's still fairly roasty. Like it's that nice, it reminds me a lot of, like you said, a Schwartz beer or a black IPA. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it might be, um, what was I thinking about this? It reminds me a little bit of like Molly's Lips. From mm-hmm. Bermari. Oh, the Black Goza. The Black Goza, because it's it still it tastes like what it is. It tastes more like a Pilsner, but it doesn't look that way. It's like a black IPA or shorts lager, shorts beer, where it just confuses the senses. Like it doesn't look like what it's supposed to what it tastes like at all. Um, yeah, I was gonna look up and see if I could get the let's see. Their beer this beer is based on a Pilsner, but is darkened through roasted grains and grain extractions to give you a new take on a classic style. While the beer remains an approachable and crisp character, there are subtle roast elements from the dark grain extractions and the that add complexity to the beer. The base beer is hopped with Zuper Sazer hops and to add additional bright and floral light, additional bright and light floral aroma notes, it is dry hopped with laurel hops. Huh, okay. This is a truly unique beer that will have the flavor and balance of a traditional Pilsner lager, but nuance and appearance of a robust beer with a heavy roasty malt character normally associated with beers as dark as it will be. Hmm. All right. So there you go. There's your grain, or not your grain, but your hops. Yep. Sounds good. I like this beer. I think it's it's a different take, because most of them, you know, we had the... (laughs) I've tortured every single person I know with that Vermari stout. (laughs) Yeah, that Vermari stout was terrible. Um, The Rocky Road, it was undrinkable. It was motor oil. It's 14.8%, probably over that. Yeah, it was legally beer in North Carolina. Rocky Road, it was so sickly sweet and terrible we mm. shared that one after the off color episode that we recorded and uh yeah that beer was terrible now i have had the black is beautiful i didn't have the wise man like you did but i've had i just had the uh so the burial they did a dissolver okay i did the dissolver last night which was pretty much just a base imperial style i think it might be i don't think they really changed anything it's effectively the one we're brewing today minus the uh the bourbon additions yeah yep. well with that being said andrew Maybe we should take this time to move on to some more brew news. All right. Let's go national. Let's go. We got closure. We got closures. There's COVID closures. COVID closures, everybody. Uh, Sierra Nevada. We're shutting it down. And New Galaris have both closed their tap rooms through, through at least the end of the year, um, which doesn't mean a lot unless you live in Chico, Asheville, Mil- well, technically Mills River, or Wisconsin. But, um, yeah. 
And that's pretty common though. We're starting to see like these distro-based breweries close down tap rooms. Yeah. So Sierra Nevada originally closed theirs from March 15th to March 22nd. And I guess they've just kept extending it. They've never opened up the Mills River location. We were just in Asheville and that was... Yeah. So I guess they finally just decided to just say, okay, instead of like just extending it by like a month at a time, we're just going to give it the end of the year because there's no reason to just like keep delaying and pushing things back and get people's hopes up. So they just made the announcement that they're close to the end of the year. So this, uh, I believe in Andrew's text, he said, well, it's good to have that distro money. Yep. Good to have that distro money. Yeah. So unfortunately for, you know, a lot of smaller breweries and like microbreweries and people that like a lot of our breweries around here, keeping your tap rooms closed is not an option. Especially like the smaller guys, like Little Brother. 11-11. I mean, Big Dane was doing good business out his back door. Yeah, he still does. But yeah, like, <laughs> he still does that backdoor business. But like for any brewery like that, a crowler is a lot more expensive like than glassware or uh, plasticware. Yep. And they would much prefer you to come in, even if you have to drink out of a cheap-ass plastic glass, they'd rather you come in and have two pints out of the plastic glass than take a crowler home. Functionally, yeah. it's the same amount of beer they're sold, but aluminum can cost a hell of a lot more than uh, a 16-ounce Solo cup. Yeah, and uh, so Courtney and I went out Friday night. Mm-hmm. With Paige and Adam for the first time since the Quar, since and we the went Quar. to Little Little Brother. Yeah, they're serving you in single-use plastic glasses. You have to throw them away. Wear a mask when you're not seated drinking your beer. We chose to sit outside mm-hmm. where it was a little less crowded, but then they were at capacity, so we actually saw them start turning people away. And there was a interesting experience where I tried to walk in, and the guy goes. I need you to uh, uh, go wait by the door. We're at capacity. And I was like, oh, okay. So I stood there for a few minutes. A few people left, and I walked up, and I said, yeah, I need to close out my tab for now. He's like, wait, you were already here? And I said, yeah, I've been outside this whole time. He's like, oh, I thought you were someone new. He said, <laughs> if I'd have known you were already here, you could have come in because you're already counting towards our capacity. And I was uh, like, oh, okay, sorry. I was like, I thought you just meant there were too many people inside the tap room yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i was like so sorry so yeah it's still a lot of figuring stuff out and everything but Laura and i went to a bunch of breweries in Asheville this past weekend and they all a lot of them had uh no tasting they like the big signs it's like no tasting no tabs um there's a third no uh yeah you couldn't keep an open tab you couldn't oh. do a tasting no no flights that was what it was no open tabs you, you would close out, and next time you wanted a beer, you had to come in and do the whole thing again. Oh, that's interesting. But that way, no one is coming in to, like you were doing, to pay your tab. Ah, gotcha. You don't have Counting any- against some their capacity by just standing in there to pay for right. a beer. No one's doing that. You're, you're ordering, paying, and they're pretty streamlined. Twin Leaf was like that. Green Man was like that. Um, okay, well, I mean, as long as you figure that out, that makes more sense now. I knew, I do know Little Brother had a sign that said no cash. Yeah. I so do. they weren't accepting cash. It was card only. Mm-hmm. And I do know that like uh, Joymonger is one of our other local breweries has really put a uh, statement out yeah, that says nobody under twenty one in the tap room currently because it counts against their capacity and they, they need they need every person in there. You know, smaller breweries like we were saying just are going to have a harder time keeping their tap room closed as opposed to people like Sierra Nevada Nuclearis and others who have a lot of money based on and that even goes back to like Foothills. Foothills, yeah. like we talked about months ago. Has a ton of debt. 70% of their income comes from distro. So, you know, it's not hurting them if they keep their tap room closed. Uh, with that saying, Andrew, let's, uh, why don't we move on to some more unrest within the canarchy? You mean like the funky firmatorium? 
Yeah, is that a bite off of Wicked Weeds Funkatorium? I, for, funky Firmatorium. Yeah. So that, that's Deep Ellum. We're talking Deep Ellum. We're back on Deep Ellum. Uh, I've got a little bit of news for that, and then Travis is going to talk about the big big news. Mine's a little bit less sexy. Um, but they Yours have, is more depressing. Yeah. They have permanently closed down the Funky Firmatorium, which we think is pretty much a playoff of... Um, Wicked Weeds, Wicked Weeds Funkatorium, Funkatorium in Asheville. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the reason for that is they have similar distro laws in Texas uh, to North Carolina, except... Um, the Deep Elm's getting hit. If you produce over a certain amount of capacity, you can't even sell at your own location. Ah. So at least in North Carolina, you could at least sell out of your brewery, even if you, like Foothills, for example, or one of our bigger breweries, even if they exceed the cap for distro, they can't self-distribute, but they can at least sell from their own spot. Yeah, you can sell it for off-site consumption. Right. Yeah. You can't do that in Texas, or uh, at least... Uh, still so thanks texas yay texas go team and deep ellum being part of Pan- canarchy produces well more than the cap minimum therefore they are now forced to close cl- their close their funky well, firmatorium <laughs> yes but that's not the only deep ellum news nope what is it andrew oh oh that's my that's, that's my yeah, big yeah. news that's, oh the big your, news yeah. that's your so as uh andrew and i believe laura highlighted in mm-hmm. uh previous brew news lawsuits yeah lawsuits galore so Deep Ellum, as we talked about a couple of months ago, sued Canarchy, saying that Canarchy owed them a bunch of money that they had promised them that they were supposed to be paid in installments, I guess. And support. And yeah. like, yeah, it was just And bad. Canarchy had uh, just stopped paying them. Pretty much. Uh, so essentially, now what happened is Canarchy took it one step further and said... Bye. Yeah. See ya. So John Reardon, the founder of Deep Ellum Brewing Company, who founded the company in 2013, has now been fired from the brewery that he founded. Summarily let go. Yes. Um, so Deep Ellum was Dallas's first craft brewery mm-hmm. in 2013. The article we found from the Dallas Observer says that Deep Ellum actually helped change a bunch of distribution laws from being the first craft brewery because they had to fight legislative battles. Uh, noticeably that a law that wasn't even passed until 2019, you could not sell beer for offsite consumption from your own brewery, no matter how much you produced. And that was like similar to a Georgia law. Um, yes. Yeah. And that you could go and get a tour and get a tasting on the tour. And the tasting at Creature Conference was like two full pints, but you couldn't, I couldn't buy a beer. Like, yeah. They could only give samples was. on a tour. Uh, Reardon is quoted as saying like back in those days, starting a brewery was like trying to build a boat while you're at sea. Um, yeah so now there's over 20 craft breweries in Dallas and now he is no longer part of that company Uh, his quote here from his Facebook post I'm going to read some of it not all of it today I was terminated from my employment with Deep Ellum Brewing Company as it's no secret that I'm in a lawsuit with Canarchy the company who I entrusted to be the steward of the brewery and brand going forward I'm sure it would come as no shock that they have come to this decision if they don't feel the need to pay me what they owe, I guess they've just come to the conclusion that honoring any of their commitments just no longer makes sense. In some ways, this comes as a huge relief. Ever since I sold the majority of my company back in 2018, Deep Ellum has been dying a slow death. All of the promises made just seem to unravel from the start. And now, just over two years later, the brand is a shadow of itself. The beers have changed. Quality has gone down the drain, literally. And the culture that I cultivated, my most coveted accomplishment, has been completely dismantled. Dang. Uh, but... My man is pulling a ballast point. <laughs> so I guess roughly at the time he sold Deep Ellum two years ago, he started another company, Deep Ellum Distillery. 
Yep. So he is now moving into spirits, which are going to include vodka and whiskey. He's got whiskey that has now been on the barrel for two years. Um, it's going to be called Lead Belly Whiskey, named after Huddy Lead Belly Jefferson, who is an African-American folk singer. Um, I guess who's maybe famous in the Dallas area. I'm not sure. I've heard I've heard the name, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, he claims that that uh, brand is going to be a freight train, and he's been working with uh, Huddy Lead Belly Jefferson's family, uh, notably his great niece, um, to learn more about the guy and to honor and have him as the namesake of their whiskey. So, yeah, leaving the beer world, going into spirits. Going into spirits. Well, um, we'll stay in the beer world for a little bit because uh, Stone keep being in the news. Um, yep. But now it's not for something stupid or bad or dumb they've done besides you know suing small companies. And we do apologize for bugs in the background if you hear him. He, he out here wiling out. He's a small dog. Yes. Uh, Pot Pup Bugs is not a fan of anybody getting near his yards. And honestly, it's probably squirrels. He does not like squirrel sex. He's very much opposed. He's approved when it comes to that. Ah, um, there you go. All right. So... We're going to do this real quick because i got to go check on this beer because I'm pretty sure we're done. Ah, there you go. <laughs> um, but Stone now has good news. They have a new CEO, Maria Stipp. She is formerly of Lagunitas, and she yeah. left the company. I was going to say, if you recall that name yeah. <laughs> from a year ago. Possibly. I didn't recall her name. <laughs> I didn't either. We probably didn't talk about her. Um, oh, I know we did. Oh, we did. I remember talking about her. I just couldn't remember her name at all. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so she left Lagunitas in February, and that was replaced by the head Can- director of Canadian Operations for Heineken. It was a very polite uh Force mm-hmm. out. He said, well, I'm sorry, I don't want to make you lose your job here, but uh, I've been asked by the parent company to come down here and uh, kind of oversee things. Oh, I'm sorry, your key card doesn't work today. <laughs> Here's your severance package. <laughs> sorry, ma'am. The moose outside should have told you. Your card's no longer valid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think it's about time you took it back to the hoose. <laughs> but like any good CEO with a golden parachute, which I'm sure she had, she landed on her feet. Heck yeah. Also, we got to like stop making fun of the Canadians. <laughs> I love Canadian people. I know They're the very best. polite. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we uh, she's replacing Dominic Ingalls, who was CEO for four years, and we talked about this in August that he was no longer Stone CEO. Yes. Uh, now I love Maria's background because it's awesome. It's very diverse. It is very diverse. She was the EVP at Activision, um, so she led both the Call of Duty and Guitar Hero franchises. Yeah, she was also the CEO of an ATM company that was then bought by uh, I believe I read it was Redbox. Of course. Yes. Then uh, she was also an executive at Miller Coors and Kellogg's before moving to Lagunitas. Of course, of course. Yes. This, this is all these normal things. Um, so she's going to be the CEO for all of Stone's business. Yeah, that day. includes both the brewing facilities and Stone Distribution, yeah. the bistros, gardens, tap rooms, the, the whole shebang of Everything, yeah. Yep. Um, so per current, the acting CEO right now, he and Greg Cook are both honored and excited to work with her. Um, and Greg is... Uh, acting CEO. Wait, or no, Steve, I'm trying to read your note here. The first Steve Wagner, the, the acting, acting CEO of Stone. Oh, okay. He and Greg Cook are both honored and excited to work with her, the second of which of the... Of is those, of. Oh. Sorry, I forgot the word is. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you um, Bill Clinton, you mean? That depends on what your definition of is. is. <laughs> I don't know that reference. <laughs> it's a sex scandal thing. <laughs> I assume, but you never know. Um, biggest thing is both Steve and Greg are planning on sticking around. Yeah, he kind of... I know he probably didn't mean it ominously, but it, I mean, the way he says it, like, we're both honored and excited to work with her. The second of which is of the utmost importance as we plan on sticking around. So it's kind of like either you come in and get along or we'll find somebody else again. Greg is maintaining his chairman of the executive board. So he is not the CEO, but he is still fundamentally who's in charge. Yeah. 
and he likes it that way. Yeah. From everything we've read about the past few months, Greg likes being in charge. That's fine. That's fine. Yes. All right. Well, Trav, that's all the news we got. Um, Bugs is losing his mind. That beer is... We've got a beer to brew. We've got a beer to brew. So, um, you can follow us on Untapped. I'm Tuba Steve. I'm Mather Nuts. You can follow us on Instagram at BrewNewsPod. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Brew underscore News. You can find us on Facebook as well or our website, BrewNewsPod.com. <laughs> you think I maintain that? Uh, yeah, well, it's out there. Yeah, it's in the ether. It is in the ether. Yep. Um, uh, as always, we thank you guys for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed this month's Brew News, and we will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.